1: I will, will share with you my one Rage Quit story.
0: Yeah, I'm a robot, and I don't have a soul across now 8 This is going to be a really great opportunity for everybody to see how you effed up. Welcome back, Rage Nation. We got Pete and Chris back again to give you, some more, give you some more God-tier content, uh, because no one else is doing it, and I think people want to hear it. So we're providing it. So we're going to get into some more God-tier stuff, and mainly today we're talking about these different Slayers.
1: Yep. I think we're because going to start a series of podcasts.
0: Where it's going to go between like the different classes?
1: Yeah. So we'll start with the Slayers, and then to give people a, a sneak preview, uh, we'll go into the other classes and subsequent episodes.
0: Yep. So... We'll go ahead and talk about Slayers in a minute, but we are also going to talk a little bit about Guild Ball today, and what I wanted to mainly focus on is the field test. And, I don't know, have you been keeping up on the
1: field test a little bit, Chris? Um, I saw that Matt posted something about the field test, and I I read over them, but I didn't, like, memorize them. I haven't tested out any of the things in any games yet. Okay. Or, well, if I do.
0: So, those people that aren't really familiar with it we'll go over it in a second but i do want to plug a couple of things before we get started mainly that make sure that you guys are supporting us by checking out our content on youtube uh, make sure that you like share subscribe to the youtube channel that way we can help grow that a little bit more and get some more followers we're doing a lot of stuff on there like painting we we did a paint party last night with me and my buddy out in kansas and yeah we just paint some cool stuff we're going to do another one on uh pretty much tomorrow, and I'm we'll see how fast I get this podcast out, but it it probably won't be in time for that. But we're trying to do at least once a week, if not twice a week, where we just kind of paint. And then we're also doing some gameplay. I'm playing some God Tier on there with people and different things. So yeah, just check us out. And if you want to support us directly, make sure that you check us out on Patreon. We have the Rage Quit Wire Patreon page, and we are going to make some adjustments to that so it's more accessible, especially during this time when people can't squeeze as much money and but maybe you still want to support the podcast so check those different levels coming out here uh, soon and finally if you guys want some cool 3d printed stuff go ahead and check out barting tokens they make lots of custom uh, organization tools uh, base identifiers which is great for God tier so just make sure that you guys check that out he has an Etsy page and it's just called barding tokens so yeah but and they're basically great. The
1: don't forget the code.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. Do you know what the code is?
1: I think rage quit.
0: <laughs> yeah. If you put in rage quit uh, some of that uh, portion of the money that gets uh, made by the barting tokens guy will get kicked to the podcast to help, uh, help support us. And I put a picture on Twitter of the, I got a tray that uh, barting tokens designed for me for God's tier where that holds all the cardboard tokens. So I, I, Posted that picture and it looks really good. So if you want stuff like that, just make sure that you check them out. The field test thing was posted and they decided to start with a process to show how we are going to get stuff forward in Guild Ball. And what they did is there's going to be an, an analysis period where they listen to what people are saying, they identify common threads of what people think need to be changed. They're going to draft, meaning they're going to look at, okay, here's what it could look like. They're going to publish it and then go back to step one. So they're kind of a, a way of testing it. And Chris, this is something similar to what sounds like uh, War Machine and Hordes went through with their their thing they do with their community, right?
1: Yeah, the CID thing. But I, but I don't think this is going to be as constant and an eternal CID like they do. Yeah, I don't think so either. But it, it has that feel
0: to it. So just, I think it was earlier this week, Matt Hart released the first set of rules that he wanted people to test. So I'll go through. There's about four of them, I believe. Nope, five. So there's four of them that he wanted to test out. And I just want to get our feedback kind of on what we think about it and how we could see that playing out in Guild Ball. And the first one was that playbooks no longer wrap.
1: That sounds terrible. <laughs> there sounds are like, certain- why would I yep. ever charge?
0: Well, not only that, it, it takes away charge bonuses, and it also, for certain guilds with short playbooks, looking at you brewers, you're kind
1: of fucked. Yeah, and, well, basically all the teams that want to roll attack dice, like, it, it's like, well, why even do that? Like, yeah. e- everyone would, and this is obviously just kind of like off the top of the dome, but... Yeah, unless they go through a very serious rebalancing, uh, you're talking about, well, everyone's going to just be like, all right, well, let's play the janky combo character plays type guilds. You know, er everyone's going to go over to goal scoring or some sort of weird alchemist jank. Like, I yeah, I don't... I think that well, I think, takes away I think one of the is, funnest elements. The wrapping is one of the funnest elements of playing that game.
0: Yeah, well, it's not only that, but think about, you're, you're talking about goal scoring, but think about how many times you want to wrap as a striker because you want to tackle and do something. Yeah, that too. So, I, I agree with you. I think that would be a pretty big mistake if they actually think that's going to be a thing. Yeah. Like, I, I, I think the reason why they're thinking about it is because they're like, whoa, this damage is out of control. Let's not rap so we can stop doing these crazy high numbers. But it's like, you take away the interesting part of the game, I feel.
1: Yeah, that's that's one of the funnest elements to teach people. Yeah. Like when you, when you explain how that rap works, like people's eyes kind of light up and they're like, oh, well, I'll pick this and this. So Chris, one of the arguments for that is they said
0: that Wrapping was one of the hardest concepts to explain to a new player. Do you agree with that?
1: I absolutely do not.
0: Because I feel like that it's like, hey, there's four columns. If you get more than four columns, you get to choose again.
1: <laughs> yeah. Like, I, the way I explain it, and I think this is pretty simple, is I'm like, I, I wait till somebody has a situation that involves wrapping, right? Like they, they've rolled their die and they've gotten you know, let's say six successes and they have four columns like the example you did. And then I just say, okay, so you've got four, four successes so you can choose anything on that playbook. And then you have these two extra successes so it kind of wraps around and now you can choose anything from those first two columns as well. You can choose two results. I think that's a pretty easy explanation. Like, yeah. I don't know who's being taught this game that can't understand that or who's teaching the game that can't articulate that. But if you want Forge, you're welcome to just rip off what I said and put it into the rule book. Cause I think that the way that you said it, Pete, or I said it is simple enough for people to understand.
0: Yep. So we agree. Test one is stupid. So t- t- test two, ganging up and crowding out, capped at plus one or minus one. This one I'm actually not hating.
1: Yeah, well, I definitely feel like this idea came from somebody's working on god tier for the past two years. And <laughs> they like the idea of only one boon or one blight feature element. So uh, I, I do think it makes things a lot simpler. And especially when you're talking about people, you know, getting cover, but then somebody's ganging up or crowding out and and you have to add up all of that stuff, right? Like I I think a simple plus or negative or neutral is the easiest way to go. Well, plus I think
0: it also is a good idea because it frees up the rest of your team because now I don't have to, if I feel like I want to kill somebody, it stinks because you're not getting the positives. But it also frees up the rest of your team to go do something else.
1: Well, so I, and it makes the models that want to go out and kill things, those models are going to be the ones doing it. It's not, I'm going to gang everybody up and then kill you with some mediocre tack model. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I like that. I think it simplifies the game. I think it opens up the game. I, I think that I think that's a potentially good well, change. Because, Chris, how many times have
0: we seen it as uh, Guild Ball has developed where there's a model that becomes a killer because when you get about three or four gang ups, it makes them rap faster and it makes them do a crap ton more damage. And you have these models that shouldn't be killing stuff, killing stuff because of that. Yeah. So I I think that would be a good change. That's the one where I was like, okay, this is actually uh, I think that one's a pretty good idea,
1: if you ask me. Yeah. Within the realm of reason. (laughs)
0: All right. So that one's okay. So test three, they're talking about maybe changing the way influence works. So this one is at the start of the turn, each model on your team generates their standard amount of influence. That's not a change, which is then added to the central pool. Any player can spend influence from this pool during their activation up to their maximum influence stat, leaving any influence spent on the model. The actions and types and costs of influence spend remains the same. So basically you have a pool of influence and I activate, let's just say spigot and I go, I'm going to take one from the pool and do this. I'm going to take another one from the pool and do that. And you can do that as many times as you want. And then you're you're done when your influence is empty of your essential pool. What do you think about that way of changing influence?
1: I think that that's reasonable, but... I think that the awareness of influence allocation is something that benefits more experienced players and being able to manage that allocation is something that helps players on the top end. So this is a rule that I think will mostly benefit players that are newer, less experienced, those mid-level players that can get themselves mixed up by misallocating influence. So uh, so I think that this is probably a good change for, uh, for the casual player. I don't think this is a change that v- super competitive players at the top end will like. I think competitive players
0: hate this. I, I think they're like, this is there's no negative there's you can spend as much influence as you want. And it's like, Oh, I didn't kill you. And I can just take another one and I can take another one. And it, you're right. It takes away the planning part of it. It takes away the skill part of it. So it really comes down to, are you catering to the common player? Or are you cater? You're not, if you do this, you're not catering to c- competitors.
1: Yeah, sure. I, I, no, I definitely agree with that. And the other thing that I think about with this change is, is I think that it'll make the end of turns a lot more boring because people are going to like blow their whole load at the beginning. Well, and
0: that's what actually at the bottom of that test, Matt Hart says this uh, by itself is going to create new strategies, right? Because you can either blow it all and try to do an alpha strike at the beginning of the turn, or you can kind of just see how the turns go and then hit it with your second or last activation. So I, I, there is a little strategy there, but I think it doesn't penalize you for misplanning. So it, it just depends on what you're trying to gain out of that. But I, I already talked to a lot of people who hate this idea because they're like, there's no penalty. There's no penalty for not planning your turnout. There's no penalty for, you know, miscalculating. It's, it's just like, oh, I can just go. It's kind of like the difference between War Machine and Hordes. Because if you played the War Machine factions, you had to allocate your you know, energy focus. at to be, yep. yeah, your fo- focus at the beginning. Whereas if you were a horde player, you could just keep, you know, putting fury onto your models just as you went along. So I felt like the hordes was more forgiving than the war machine side of it.
1: Yeah. But then that's a positive to this change because the fury mechanic is way more interesting and fun to use and user friendly. and popular within that game than the focus mechanic.
0: Yeah, so I think people that are complaining about this, I get it, but if you've played War Machine and Hordes, the Horde side of things was actually more interesting to play than it, it was the War Machine part because the War Machine part it just felt like you didn't have enough, you know, energy to give everything you wanted to do, whereas on the Horde side of it, it felt like you you could do what you wanted and you just had to kind of deal with the consequences if you didn't out or handle it correctly
1: yeah and i will give this change one positive and this is a positive regardless of competitive versus casual is it does just make the game get moving right you're not you're not using time to plan that out you're just saying okay my pool is 14 influence and let's start the turn so um i i don't think that I don't think that this is a horrible idea. I do think that it caters to the more casual player, which is probably smart for Steamforge to do because you want as broad a reach for your game as possible. Your goal isn't to let's find the 10 most competitive players and make a game for 10 guys in each country. Like yeah. th- that that's not that's nobody's goal in making one of these games.
0: Yep. Okay, number four, put me back in, coach, modified. So when a model suffering the taken-out condition is activated, this model may immediately remove the taken-out condition and return to the pitch as if it were the maintenance phase.
1: Hmm. I mean, again, I feel like this is kind of a God-tier carryover, right? Because the God-tier models are always always in there. Yeah. But... Man, it definitely this this rule definitely penalizes all those teams that want to get into like a takeout type game because yeah. you're not getting the benefit of getting that model the fuck out. Yeah. Yeah.
0: One of the benefits that Guild Ball has is it's about trying to get activations on your opponent, trying to, you know, out outmaneuver, have them waste resources, and if you take out their model currently then they lost that activation, lost that influence, and it penalizes them because it is a competitive game. So once again, are you trying to stop the feel-bads and have people still play with their toys, or do you want to keep it competitive and have you know people get penalized when they make mistakes? That's kind of your decision point here. That's your pivot point.
1: Yeah, and and I feel like coupled with the coupled with the influence allocation change, that this is far too forgiving, yeah. right? Like, if it if it were one or the other, I find that way more I- acceptable than having both. Because now it's like, okay, you were a dumbass. You got this important model killed. But because you didn't have to a- allocate any influence and because you can bring this model right back on the pitch, now... There was no cost to doing that, other than the two victory points. Like, like it didn't cost you something strategically from the game. It just cost you a a step forward by your opponent to get to twelve. Well, let me
0: ask you this, Chris. So Malifaux has a pass token system. So if somebody gets up on activations over you, you get a pass token. Do you think something like that could work in Guild Ball? Where if you lose a model before it activates, you don't get the model back,
1: but you get a pass token for the turn? Sure, but I don't think any of that's necessary. I think that, like, if you get your model killed, you should get your model killed. They've already presented a rule that already makes it more forgiving. Where you're able to say, hey, I've got to activate this model or he's going to die. Okay, let me, you know, blow my influence in my pool on that model before he dies. So, so you already have that feature, right? Like this is, these rules coupled together makes it so forgiving that, yeah, I mean, like if their goal is to be able to keep people that are competitive players and that tournament scene alive and, you know, those, the types of people that make podcasts about the game, these rules aren't going to do that because these rules are not going to encourage serious competitive players. These rules are going to, you know, water it down to the lowest common denominator of casual player. And, and, and maybe that means that they get more, more total players and make more total money. And that could just be their goal. But I mean, I think there's kind of an in-between, right? Like, I, I don't mind the influence allocation change. I, I think yeah. that, that coupled with these other things is a problem. Okay, what's the next one?
0: Okay, last one that we have is goals equal three victory points. So instead of needing three goals to win the game, you would need four goals to win the game. Holy shit. Yeah. Dude, it's already tough enough
1: to get three goals.
0: Yes, <laughs> sometimes. Some of the uh, like the miners and even Corbelli when he first came out it wasn't that tough to get three goals. I've seen three goals happen with a good fish player or a minors player in two and a half
1: turns. Well, I mean, I've seen it happen and I, I, you can do it, but I, I guess that rule would be the balance of weakening the, the teams that want to play a takeout game. Yeah. So if you're weakening the takeout element for teams, which the other rules tend to do that, then this is a good way to balance it out and weaken the goal scoring game, I guess. I don't, yeah, I don't know.
0: Yeah, I'm not. I this is tough because I feel like goal. I, there's so many ways to kill the ball that I feel like if you don't change the ball killing capabilities of the game and you reduce the amount of points that you get from scoring a goal, I really feel like that limits what you can do as a goal-scoring team. Because you're right, there's just times where if that goal-scoring team doesn't get to 12 within three goals, because I think if you make it four, there's just times where that's too late for a goal-scoring team. Because how many times have you seen a fish player barely squeak out a goal to win the game when they were about to lose the last takeout points of their of the game? So... I think that this one would be probably a mistake with the way the game currently sits.
1: I I mean, if you want to change the, the ball killing mechanic, like, I mean, you know, we already talked about the rule change of about forcing people to get that ball over the center line. Like there, there are ways that you can easily do that and force the action and make people have to extend themselves and try to score. So, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess my feelings are that I wasn't, wild about the changes i mean none of the changes in and of themselves i think are you know horrific well except the wrapping one that sucks like the wrapping is fun
0: well and the funny thing is a lot of these things that they decided to pick out i feel like these weren't really things that players were asking to get changed i feel like these are something that came from inside steamforged and I feel like a lot of the community doesn't like these ideas.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I almost, th- that's why I made the comment about, it seems like somebody's putting these things together that has been really working hard on, on God tier because it, a lot of these rules kind of just make it like God tier. Like the, yeah the single, the single bonus or deduction elements with the gang ups and crowd outs. Um, Yeah, I don't, I don't know the the, the always being able to have the model back on the, on the pitch and field to where like, you're basically just an activation out of place, like, like it is with God tier, where like, you always have that model back available. So, yeah, I, I, I'm not wild about it. I I don't want, I don't want both games to be reduced down to the same elements, like, yeah. I, I would rather have Gilball be a little bit more distinctive, but I, I don't know. I mean, it obviously, you know, test things out, and I, I don't know how you're going to have people test some of the things, like unless you're going to issue new cards that have adjusted, adjusted, bo- you know, boxes to select for attacks. Like, I don't know how you're going to test the no wrapping element. Right, Because like you just cripple certain teams.
0: Yeah, it's just one of those things where you just got to kind of stick with what your game is. And if you change too much, you have a different game. And like you said, I I don't want another God Tier game. It's like God Tier is a great game and we're really enjoying it. But Guild Ball is Guild Ball and that's a fun game too. So there are some things they can do to change and tweak it. But I really think you can't mess up you can't mess with the core mechanics too much and still have the same game. Uh, You can definitely change it a little bit. And I encourage them to be smart about it because there's games like Malifaux that went from their changes in season two to three. And for most part, I think they've been pretty positive. Uh, So they just got to be careful because I've seen games like uh, Warhammer and Warhammer 40k where they add new rules and it's a train wreck. So you just got to be careful with which ones you decide to go with. I mean, that's all I'm going to say.
1: Yeah, well, I mean in that and I just want to be fair to like Steamforged and Matt that like there are suggestions in there that I think are reasonable, right? Like having a single influence pool and just being able being able to use from that pool. I think that's reasonable. I think the the single crowd out gang up bonus plus minus is reasonable. Um you know, th- those are probably like. I don't think they're necessary changes to go ball, but I think they're they're ones that could be considered. But there are other ones where I think that it would just it would just suck. Like like keeping models always on the pitch and always being able to bring them on, and not being able to wrap and making like. You're you're fundamentally changing the language and the thought process of Guild Ball to have goals be worth three victory points. Yeah, like like the 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 dialogue that we have about are you playing a two-two game or you know those, those types of those types of elements. Like we're we would we would have to recraft the entire way that we we think about the game and I don't know that for a game that people are k- kind of blase about or, or that yeah. a game that's kind of waning that you want to expect your your y- the strongest elements of your meta to have to go through a process of restructuring the dialogue in which they discuss the game and restructuring just the thought process of how you get to success points. Right. Like you, you can do this in other ways, right? You can, if there's, if too much damage is being done on wraps, you can ch- find ways to like check that and, and reel it into certain models being able to do that and other ones not being able to. Um, you, you can, you can tweak things to make it harder to score goals or easier to score goals, depending on if you want more goal scoring in the game. Like there are all of these elements that you can do with like small changes, but, some of those changes that are recommended are like really big ones and I don't like them. All right. So
0: I agree with you and I would say that, and this is something I've been hearing a ton of people say where they're like, well, I know what the biggest problem is. Just get stuff on the shelves, get your distribution house in check. So one of the things I will say about this, that is a positive is steam forge just came out with the, Uh, plastic or resin kit, whatever it is. I think it's plastic now that I think about it. But they just came out with the Butcher's uh, plastics, right? So Mm -hmm. have you you had a chance to look at those,
1: Chris? Yes, I have. What do you think about them? I wish all the sculpts were new ones. And that would be more encouraging for me to buy them if I was getting all new sculpts instead of some new sculpts. Yeah, because looking
0: at the boxes of of them, uh, Veteranox is the same pose. Uh, boar is the same pose ox is ox that's disappointing that ox is the same pose they they missed something special there you could have done a really cool pose with ox I don't need another plastic angry folded arms ox
1: yeah and you don't even have to do it like the legendary version that kickstarter version like he could easily have like the axes like low and be kind of crouching forward like come on bring it on like, like that like that famous uh, cover of I think it's Infinity Gauntlet number four, where Thanos is basically like, come at me, bro. Like he yeah. he could be in that, that kind of pose, and it would be way more dynamic. And it wouldn't be a pose that is has the integrity issues of the model breaking. So so I felt like I felt like the designs of the models in this butcher box and for many of the other boxes is they said, okay, we're only going to change the models that have integrity issues from when they were metal or when we first cast them. And, and I, I don't want that mindset. I want, we're issuing a new box so we're going to give these all new poses.
0: Dude, I'm looking at the union boxes that also came out and they are severely disappointing. Um, Vet Rage is the same pose. Minx is the same pose. uh Fangtooth, same. Hemlock, same. Coin or Strongbox, same. The Decimate is a different pose, which is kind of cool. Uh, Avarice and Greed is the same pose. Uh, Gutter is the same. Black arts got the limited edition pose, which is kind of frustrating because I paid extra money for that. And Rage is the same pose. So this is just... This is just frustrating because they, like you said, this is even worse than the butchers one. These models are almost all the same. And it's kind of like you had a chance to make this really cool set of models. And I understand that it might have to be a sculpt and money issue thing. But when I look at this, I'm like, I'm not going to buy this. Whereas if they were, like you said, mostly really cool new poses, I definitely would have potentially picked them up. But now I'm just kind of like, nope, hard pass.
1: Yeah, and I, I don't know, like, I kind of feel like they just gravitated toward which poses have the best integrity to the model. And, and yes, yeah. a model standing still with its arms folded does have more integrity to the model, but that is not as dynamic and interesting to somebody playing when they see that on a table in a store, and so... I don't. I don't want it to be like Shank's chains that we're always breaking off. Like I, I, I want a happy medium. Yeah, Shank got a new pose. Yeah, he he did, and there's more integrity to the new pose that Shank has. Like that's why I bring it up. But the the idea of the only mindset or the only thing that we're taking into consideration is integrity of the model's pose. I don't think that's the right thought either. Right, like you want to be able to move these boxes. So, Hey, we have an opportunity to make these models more dynamic. Let's take advantage of that opportunity because just having a, a mascot on all four legs standing still, like that's not, that's not nearly as cool. Even something as simple as pride being on the, being on the altar or the sepulcher, like that, and and looking up and roaring is more interesting and dynamic than like strong box just standing still.
0: I will say this though, at least those new boxes are still in stock. Uh, sure. The, the fishermen and the hunters, the fishermen and the hunters are still out of stock, which is kind of frustrating. But at least the new stuff's in stock, and you can get all these singles, which is good. So hopefully, that's something they still figuring it out and getting getting fixed because to me the rules weren't so much of the issue it's getting the stuff so if that's something that they finally have resolved after over a year of this issue then great i i hope that is something sincerely that they fixed
1: yeah and and i don't want to like beat a dead horse on that personally i feel like the guys at steamforge are kind of like a little bit sensitive about that issue cuz like they've had to hear it so much like i like i think they get it like um yeah. oh they did. They do. Yeah, sure. and so so like I don't want to like harp on that, but at the same time like I want to call it straight up and so like yes, you you guys know the the issues with like the shipping and all that kind of stuff. My issue with these boxes is um I know you're trying oh, to fix yes. that. My issue is the aesthetics of the boxes. How can they be changed? I would like all new sculpts if I'm going to you know, be be encouraged to pay 80 bucks to rebuy these models. And you know that I'm a guy, I'm like who they want, right? Because every time there's an alternate sculpt, I go out and get it, right? I I go out and get the, the brisket and, and boiler Valentines. I go out and get the, the legendary models. I I get the steam con exclusive models like Like, I I went out and got, like, that early alternate boiler, the one that's, like, you know, kind of the same, but just leaping over something. Like, so I'm somebody that, like, that this is perfect for because, like, I'll be a sucker and go out and rebuy this. But I'm not going to rebuy it if half the models are just the same and in plastic because, A, I prefer metal. That's just my own personal thing. I don't expect... Steamforge to go back to metal but b and more importantly i already got half of these models already like they, they already look like yeah. that so i'm not going to go out and buy it just for uh just for the new shank right the new shank not is pretty, the one that i pretty. want the most
0: yeah i agree that model's that model's really uh really sweet in that box for sure but i think that uh,
1: like isn't the boiler just like standing still
0: yeah, he's standing, and he's got his two axes kind of out, and that's about
1: it. That's almost the pose you wanted for for Ox. Yeah, yeah, exactly, <laughs> right? Because C- Boiler has a way more dynamic pose with like, that three-point stance pose or the leaping over you, pose. Like, like do, you, do you like the uh,
0: the new princess that looks kind of playful, or do you like angry-looking princess?
1: I personally always want angry-looking princess. The funniest one is the one with princess humping the ball, though. <laughs> That that's like the best princess they've done, but I, I mean honestly, I would rather this box be all Chibi models, right? So Chibi princess, Chibi ox, Chibi like like I, I would rather have all new models that way. And are you a Chibi? Well, no, no, I'm not super into Chibi stuff. I'm just saying, like, I just want something different. Right, that's my it. that's my point. Like, and so. Yeah, I, I would I would be more willing to like rebuy this box and get chibi ox and chibi uh, chibi princess and then all the the other four models in Chibi 2 I'd be more willing to do that than buy it and have half the models be the same.
0: Okay. So. so I think I think we talked a lot about that. I just wanted to get your opinion on the new models and I think we kind of came to the same conclusion there, so Let's go on to our other half of this topic, and that's Slayers. So looking at God Tier, the Slayer class is the one that we want to focus on. We're going to kind of talk about where we think they stand as far as which ones are the best and which ones are the worst. And we'll talk about what we like about them and, yeah, kind of go from there. So we're going to start with our number four, so the one we think is not that good. And I don't think this is a surprise to anybody who's played this game. Or listened to this podcast. Yeah, who's, uh, who's number four, Chris? Shitty-ass Morgan. All right, so what makes Morgan not the greatest slayer?
1: Not being able to kill things or slay models.
0: Okay, so what what are some <laughs> of the glaring, glaring problems with that?
1: It, Morgan, in my opinion, is like a shaper, right? Like Morgan is putting out, you know, uh, blights for the most part and, you know, kind of manipulating the the state of the models around you, but really doesn't do much heavy lifting at all. Like, I, I don't understand. Like, if there's a rock, paper, scissors mechanic, I don't know. And, and this could just be lack of experience. I don't claim to be the most experienced person in this game. Um, if somebody listening wants to enlighten me, I don't know who Morgan is supposed to be the counter for. Because I, I can't see her being really strong, you know. I, I see her helping out another model, but not providing so much help that she's really worth making your list. The only thing that she gets that is really good, I would say, is that she does
0: have a rule called Frost Forge, which means that instead of getting one plus one bonus for a boon, she gets plus two. So if you give her a damage boon, she'll roll two extra dice instead of one. So that. Stacked on top of other things can be really strong. Um, And she does have some possibilities that if they line up, they're really good. Like Snowball's chance is not going to work very often, but when it does, it'll be hilarious. Really, she's better at giving out hexes than she is even giving boons. So it's almost like the problem with Morgan is you have to bring somebody to help her do the thing she's supposed to be good at, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Because if you want her to do damage, it's like, oh, well, you can give her a damage boon. Well, the problem is her cards don't really provide an opportunity to give her the damage boon. You can get accuracy, but you don't really get extra damage. And I think that's where she needs the help to be an actual slayer is throwing more damage dice. Because right now, I mean, Ice Bolt, you throw a crap ton of damage, which is or crap ton of dice, which is cool. But you're only throwing three damage dice. Snowball's Chance... Really going to be tough to get that to work. You're only throwing one die and you do two damage dice. But if it goes, then you kill the model. So I I get that one. And then Ice Blade is good, but you really don't want her close to anything because she's going to die. She's only got six boxes. She's two evasion with three armor. It's not good. Um, Because once again, if you look at the cards, there's not a way for her to give herself any kind of defensive stuff. She can't give herself defensive boons. She's more about giving out hexes and blights than she is actually doing stuff to help her kill things.
1: Yeah, honestly, for Frostforge to even be, like, worth it, it would have to be that the boons are plus two on, and the Morgan, on Morgan and the cold bones. And it would have to be that blights are minus two on Morgan and, or or on, on,
0: when they target that model. Yeah.
1: On, on opposing models from Morgan or the cold bones. Like I agree like that, the frost forge, even though it's something interesting and it's like a positive thing on our card, like we're grasping at straws to find something positive because the most positive thing about Morgan is the, it, it is an ability that needs a lot of work and needs a buff.
0: The only thing I will say about Morgan is Morgan is very, it's very, she's very sneaky with how fast she is. Because if you look, she's on the plot phase, she's movement two, and the cold bones can give her plus, give her the plus speed boon. So that means during the plot phase, she's actually a four speed. And that means that basically she can move, what's that, four uh let's see here that's that. So she can move four, six. So she can move six boxes without any other help. So it's so, really good.
1: Okay, but here's the thing. She has an ability to move her minions forward, and they have something to move her, but that kind of puts you in like a catch-22 because like then it's like well do I activate these guys first to give this advantage or do I activate her first to give them the advantage? Like, and so yeah. even though like both have something that they can do, you're not like, it's not a good synergy because you're not getting the most out of both. You're having to choose yeah. one or the other for the most part. I'm sure that there are, there's somebody listening that's like, Oh, well you can do this and actually get both of them, but that's not going to be normal, right? Like you're going to move somebody out of range and, and it, it's going to be a problem. So, um, yeah, I mean... And she's very
0: she's very clunky. And you, honestly, if she was a little more durable, she might be okay. Because Ice Blade is a pretty decent attack. But like I said, the problem is you have to be one hex away. So that means she has to kind of get up there to do that attack. And she doesn't want to be near people because she just goes away. I think I got... Like I got wrecked when she died, like, three times in one game. And I'm just like, stop hitting Morgan. I get it. She's bad. Leave her alone. Yeah.
1: Ice Blade needs, like, one more dice to hit. And Ice Bolt needs one more dice to damage. Like, I, I, I'm just trying to figure out ways to make this work. Like, and- yeah, that's just not it, – it, I just – I don't like Morgan. And her her ultimate
0: isn't even super impressive because it's just a in, it's just an evasion blight and a movement blight. So, and once again, that might be cool if the enemy took you know minus two for each one of those. But that's not the thing. I think Frost Forged and Flash Freeze
1: need to be kind of reworked on her main card there, and, and that might and make I her think more and I think that it needs more distance. Like like three isn't that impressive. Because if Three's you're within three of some of the other models, they're gonna kill Morgan.
0: Yeah, that's probably that's probably
1: fair. So yeah, honestly, yeah, if you're, like if that was stretched out to four or five, like it would make it that way more five. functional. <laughs> it would not be five. Well, fine, but like you get you get my well the concept well, of what I'm saying here.
0: Well, cause it could be cool, cause you could be like, Oh, I'm gonna pop it and now you're minus two move. And I'm going to, since I have maybe a movement boon, now I can move, you know, uh, four hexes away. So now I'm really safe. So there's, I think there's some potential with her. I just think that right now it's too clunky and it doesn't really work.
1: Yeah, she, she, like, I just don't, and it's unfortunate because she's one of the models that's on Tabletopia. And Tabletopia can only fit so many models into that game system. And she's one of those models because she's in the starter box. And so, yeah, Morgan just frustrates the hell out of me. Like,
0: I guess it's cool that
1: she's like a Skeletor, but other than that. All
0: right. Well, let's go ahead and go into our number three. Well, kind of number three. We actually argued a little bit about this one. But uh, the number three slash two, depending on how you want to argue it, is Sneaky Pete. Yeah. So, Chris. Let's start with what do you really like about Sneaky Pete? What are some of the things you've seen him do where you're like, okay, that's kind of cool.
1: I really like the movement. Yeah. Like, like he's able to just bounce around everywhere and because he's like a shifty little goblin, he's able to like get in there and then like not get hit because like, I just kind of picture like almost in a movie where like this thing's bouncing all around you and you're trying to stab it and he's just bouncing everywhere and you just can't. Yeah. And that's kind of what he—that's that, kind of exactly what he does. So, um, yeah, I think Sneaky Pete is very useful and is actually a pretty good slayer because he's able to definitely pile in some damage. Well, and, uh, let,
0: let's just say that uh, Sneaky Pete has stared down Rangosh and stabbed him in the face.
1: That was kind of a fluke, but yes, <laughs> you're like his evasion should not be five. <laughs> yeah, well, his evasion, his evasion is like way jacked like let, let's put it this way his evasion being five is way more beneficial to him than if morgan had a five hex reach with her ultimate like, <laughs> like that that five on his evasion is yeah that that that's fucking unreal so well, you almost have to it? take somebody that can put a blight on that evasion like that's the, almost the oh, only yeah, way you can sure.
0: do it for sure uh, one of the things I will say about Sneaky Pete that I really have been enjoying is not just the movement, but also the backstab. Because, and and obviously, let me do it with the uh, Sneaky Stabbers. Let but me do you it. can, yeah, oh, let me do it, you guys. <laughs> look what um, I can do. I'll talk. I'll talk about let me do it. Yeah, look what I can do. <laughs> um, so backstab and let me do it are interesting because you can actually do attacks during the plot phase. And honestly, if you wanted to, you could even do three attacks during the plot phase because you can do Pounce, which is his ultimate. You can do Backstab, and then you can do uh, Let Me Do It with his Sneaky Stabbers. So potentially three different attacks in the plot phase. And it, it's pretty good. You're rolling a decent amount of dice. Uh, the Sneaky Stabbers attack would Let Me Do It's actually really interesting because you can either go with one And they can throw seven dice, but they're only rolling four damage dice. Or you can roll three dice if all three of them are in the same hex and it does six damage dice. So it gives you some flexibility. So, for example, if you have a Sneaky Pete and their evasion is really high, you can go, okay, this one stabber is going to attack Sneaky Pete with seven dice. And now I'm only rolling four damage dice, but you only have one armor, so that's okay.
1: Yeah, the, for, I, there are so many things that I like about this model. Um, I like that. I like that his name is Sneaky Pete because me you're me sneaky too. and your name is Pete. <laughs> you always do this, Pete. Um, I like that these things are called Sneaky Stabbers. <laughs> <laughs> like so, whoever just put together like what they're going to call this model and the concept of this model just did a great job. Like it, it it's just fun. Um, And so, yeah, and I think that the fact that they can deal out damage in that plot phase is kind of a feature that should exist for the Slayers, right? Like the Slayers should be able to dole out more damage because unlike unlike in Guild Ball where you can just send a heavy-hitting model in and just mop the floor with somebody in like an attack or two, this isn't a game that really lends that lends itself to that. Like you're not really going to be going and be like eight damage on one turn. Like, but you want, you need to be able to take models out like definitely. And so the fact that you could do like a plot phase full of damage and then, you know, and then more damage, like that's kind of necessary for those slayers, especially against higher health uh, champions.
0: Okay. And one thing I will say is Sneaky Pete has an innate ability called Gang Boss. So the more Sneaky Stabbers you have next to him, or sorry, next to the target, uh, Sneaky Pete gets plus one accuracy dice. So these guys have a lot of ways to counter armor, but they also have ways to counter those evasive models. So that's why I like Sneaky Pete a lot, and that's why we were debating back and forth, is he too? And you think he is the second best. Uh, you, you don't agree with Lorisan, but I'll tell you with popular opinion, I think most
1: people would put Lorisan number well, two at least. Since when has that swayed me?
0: Um,
1: I know. I will say this. Like the gang boss thing, I actually kind of think it breaks the mechanics of the game a little bit. Um, not to say that Sneaky Pete's a broken model, but I think the fact that you get, like you're supposed to only get plus one on a boon once. You shouldn't yeah. be able to be like, Plus one, plus one, plus one to, to equal plus three on on hits. Like that, that brings them up to eight with with these attacks. Backstab, and yeah. That, that's just ridiculous. Like you, you just shouldn't be able to stack boons that way. Um, it goes against the concept of boons and blights. And so, I really don't like the way Gang Boss is designed, but. It's just an argument in my favor that he's a really strong model.
0: Okay, and more low-key things that make Sneaky Pete and the Stabbers really good is small and sneaky on the Stabbers, where you can go through hexes that have models in them. Is I think that's huge. I, I love the fact that they can just kind of crawl through you know, people's legs and just go where they need to go. I, I just... I love that mechanic, and then and not anno- just
1: and not just one, not just opponents' models or your own, right? Like the fact that you can do it with both types of models is super powerful. Yeah, you can, you can go through your opponent's hexes or your own model's hexes. Like, yeah, I, I the, the, it man, I'm really like starting like Sneaky Pete more and more as we have this yeah. conversation. Yeah, yeah, and just plot revenge, annoy, and irritate. Just those abilities
0: to. Mess with your opponent, you know, make yourself a little better to hit, irritate them where it's harder for them to hit. So, not only are you irritating them and giving them the accuracy blight, but, you know, it's making it harder to deal with them because now instead of maybe throwing six dice, you're only throwing five dice and you need five to hit sneaky beat.
1: Yeah. It's good. And the the irritate, the irritate having such a far reach, like being able to use that from three hexes away, I think is big. Yeah, like, like, I don't think that should be able to work that, like that to, to irritate models like that, you should have to, and again, I'm just kind of imagining, like, a scene in a movie, right? Like, you should have Something to be right there. on them, irritating the shit out of them.
0: Well, think about Monty Python and the Holy Grail, where you have the French knights on top of the castle, and they're taunting, Sir, you know, all the knights, and, uh, and uh, King Arthur, and, you know, all these, you know, I'll taunt you a second time type taunts, and uh, it's just, it's funny, and I can picture these goblins doing it, and it's it's pretty hilarious. Okay, uh, so
1: I'm picturing this very differently, like, because I'm not picturing them being, like, the articulate French knights from Monty Python. I'm picturing them irritating. Were they articulate? Being, like, well, witty, uh, quick, uh, like, uh, either way, I'm not picturing them, like vocalizing their irritation i'm picturing them irritating by just being all over somebody and just get the fuck off okay
0: so you're thinking more the braveheart battle scene where they're lifting their kilts up is that the kind of thing you're talking about
1: or 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 like a bunch of gnats flying around your head and you're just trying to swipe them off you um but like kid blackheart then sure (laughs) <laughs> uh, if we
0: we will find out maybe so the, um, the last thing that I and I'll let you kind of speak your last piece for Sneaky Pete but the, the combo that I've kind of been liking with Sneaky Pete just by himself and once again I, this is why he's a good slayer because he doesn't need another model to make him do his job right where like Morgan <laughs> but, uh, he, I love doing the annoy because you target a model three hexes away and you can move them up to two hexes towards Sneaky Pete. So Sneaky Pete only has one movement in the clash phase, but you taunt somebody with this annoy, you move them two hexes to him, and then you can do your backstab attack. So it's just, it's a really slick way to kind of maneuver and get the board and bring models to you that you want to kill them.
1: Yeah, I, I just think that this is a really well-designed champion and follower set. Um, e- even something and we we really didn't talk about this, but um, being able to replace the sneaky stabbers and and do a recruit action where you're able to make them pop up right next to sneaky Pete, which we all know is going to result in them giving the gang boss bonus like that. It, it's just it's very. It's a very synergistic champion and yeah, works. follower set, and I don't see a time where he's going to be a liability. I, like just like I said, I don't know who Morgan is supposed to counter so well, right? Like I don't know who's supposed to counter Sneaky Pete um, to neutralize. I think, him. I think I think Lorsan does that really
0: good, which is our uh All right, number well, two let's, slash let's three.
1: Talk about let's talk about your number two slayer. Um you're wrong. Uh <laughs> <and> <laughs> we'll talk about Lorison. Like who isn't as good yeah. as Sneaky Pete?
0: So Lorison I like a lot because I think she does kind of like Sneaky Pete and obviously like Rangosh, she's a Slayer but she does it differently, which I like. Um, I like how she can line up these runs and line up these plays that I should say activations that you don't see with the other, uh, the other slayers. So a couple things that stick out to me is I, I like the fact that first off shoot and scoot is one of my favorite abilities that she has. And it's just innate. So anytime she puts a wound on somebody, she gets to move one hex. So to me, this is huge because she's already pretty fast If you look at her plot and then her combat side, she is a two movement and she has a three movement. So she's a really fast model to start off with. And the fact that I can move three, shoot, and then move one, I've done that before playing her on Tabletopia, where I've used that ability, moved, and then moved to maybe trash some banners or something. So it's been a really good ability, that shoot and scoot that. I would say that's kind of her really big feature is just how mobile she is. Uh, the only way I would say Sneaky P is more mobile is because you don't have to be direct with the movement, whereas she does need a path. She can't go through these blocked off hexes. Uh, her other strong point uh, is that she can give herself more damage with field instruction. She can also make your armor worse, which is good against a lot of armored models like Rodri and his followers. Um, and, and the big thing is she has two different modes when it comes to kill mode. She can either hit low defense models with mystic arrow and roll damage dice twice on them, or she can hit, you know, somebody like sneaky Pete who has a high evasion. Well, she's throwing eight dice into it and that's really going to help. And, and then she has a third attack, which really just kills followers. As long as you can hit the follower, It does one wound and she's going to kill it. So to me, she has so many options on how to do damage. And she's not easy to kill all the time because her evasion is decent. It's a four. And she has a decent amount of boxes with six. And her followers also do a good amount of damage. And when they're hitting a wounded target, they do plus one damage die. So it's just one of those things where I think that the followers do a really good job of helping the champion do their job
1: well, well wait first of all i want to just adjust that it's not when they hit a wounded target it's when they hit a wounded enemy champion only yeah so they're not just like cranking out auto damage on the on the followers as well yeah they're
0: they're helping to do the job that you want lorison to do they're i mean
1: that makes sense to me Sure. I mean, I've just seen, I've just seen a lot of times where Lorsan just fails, and I don't feel like Lorsan really deals out as much damage as you would like to see a Slayer deal out. And if you're able to put together models that can get to Lorsan, and I don't think Lorsan's movement is unbelievable, because as soon as she as soon as she doesn't do a wound, as soon as like there's an error and the dice betray you, then you're in trouble because she can't use the shoot and scoot and somebody's going to get there and they're going to repeatedly kill her.
0: I will say that when she misses, it's really bad. Like When she just whiffs on her, her die roll and she can't be mobile and can't move like you wanted her to, it is bad. Whereas I feel like Sneaky Pete he can miss an attack and generally he's pretty okay to hang out in the middle. He's just kind of like, sure. I'm just kind of ducking, dodging, diving, you know, the D's of dodgeball. It's all good.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I, I mean like with Larson, I really do view Larson as like J.R. Smith, right? Where like, (laughs) yeah, you can like, Larson can be a streaky shooter from the outside and definitely do some damage. But at other times, like, you know, you live by the three, you die by the three. And there are times where, like, when it falls apart, it's going to not, it's not just going to fall apart. It's going to fall apart really bad.
0: So to clear the reference up, because not everybody knows who JR is, if you are a Knicks fan or even a, a Cavaliers fan for the NBA, you know what we're talking about. Because JR Smith was, does he still, I don't even know if he's still on a team, but yeah. uh, he's, there's times in a game where he just can't miss. he's just knocking him down, and the crowd's loving him, but then he'll go for sometimes a game where he cannot drop a bucket, and you're just like, "What the fuck?"
1: Yeah, but, like that's that's how I feel about Lorzen. Like you're looking at a situation where it's like the fir- the first time as soon as somebody's like, "I want to get Lorzen and it's all good when Larsen is standing three hexes away and does damage to you and then is able to continually bounce away, right? The first time she doesn't and somebody gets on her, you're Foxville. <laughs> so, okay. so so I mean, like that that's the reason why. Like, whereas the difference with Sneaky Pete, and the reason why I rank Sneaky Pete above Lorsan is when something doesn't go right for Sneaky Pete, there's still other resources there. Lors- uh, uh, Sneaky Pete still has more evasion. Sneaky Pete is still, uh, you know, the, the followers, you know, able to move through hexes, things like that. Like, there's still other, tool- other tools to be used. But Lorset yeah. Lors- doesn't have that. Like, as soon as something goes wrong, you're, you're screwed.
0: Yeah, and just going back to Sneaky Pete for a second, because his ultimate, I think, is something we kind of glossed over. But Pounce is really good because you can place yourself two hexes away and then do it, the attack. So it, it it's just, it is so good because it's also a range two attack. So yeah, it's just, it's really good. I just, I like Pounce a lot. It, it's just, it's good. That's all I can keep saying. And Lorisans is actually pretty good too because she can basically put an auto two wounds on as long as she hits so that's the key there
1: yeah so this is why I think lore, lore sign is so popular is because of this ultimate where you're able to use it during the plot phase again like you know I, I just said earlier like that should be a feature of Slayers that they can do damage during the plot phase when others can't and, and most of them can and, and she so she's able to do it there, and I think people fall in love with the fact that it's an auto two as long as you hit. Uh, yeah. And, you know, that's all well and good, but, you know, I'll tell you what, it would suck to pop that ultimate and be rolling six die against Sneaky Pete and miss and get four. Didn't like, that, that would, uh,
0: happen to you one time?
1: Yeah. Well, that sort of... Uh, no, I don't think I've ever missed on her ultimate play, but, like, it's obviously such a liability that yeah. I'm not, like, counting on it. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, I'm not I'm not trying to, like, rip Lorzan, but, like, I don't feel like she deals out as much damage as Slayers need to deal out. Um, I think that she would be much better as a Maelstrom. And, uh you know, being able to pick off the, those followers and things, and I think that as soon as you have a model that is a little bit more hardy and a little bit more resistant to the damage, uh, Rodri or half Tusk being able to heal like Lorsan is neutered. And yeah, yeah I can see that. And so yeah, I, I'm just not a big believer. Like I think that I think that her train is easily derailed. And I wouldn't count on that train a lot. Like I would much rather have sneaky pizza resources. Yeah, I can see that.
0: And like I said, I've seen her used really well where she's done a, like a ton of work. And then I've seen other times where she just, she whiffs a couple of attacks. She, you know, doesn't get as far away as she can. And then she just gets smoked. So I, I get it. And she, you're, you're not wrong with that. And it's just one of those things where I'm I'm actually okay with where she is. Because I think that a lot of these champions should have some kind of glaring weakness, right? There should be something where it's like, if she goes off, it's good, it's great. But if you miss, it can be pretty bad. So that's kind of her catch-22, right?
1: Yeah, and I just don't want to play a model that has that much of a glaring weakness. I can only take four models in like a tournament-type scenario, right? So, I mean, the bottom line is, I think that she's arguably the number three of this class. That means that there's no way she's scraping my top four. So, I, I'd like, you know, I, I'm definitely taking another Slayer over her. So, if I'm going to put together a two Slayer list, I guess there's, like, an argument, but I'm most likely going to go with Sneaky Pete. Um, I'm definitely never taking a three Slayer list. So, Lorsan is just kind of like, Odd woman out. So, yeah,
0: I, I think that arguably she can be in two, but I think that we may be correct with that. She can easily slip down to that third spot. Uh, but I, the, I think the one thing I like about her more than Sneaky Pete is just her followers. I feel like her followers can do a little bit more than Sneaky Pete's can because they're, they're pretty survivable because they can put themselves up to an Evasion 4. They can also get rid of some armor, which is really important for what her targets are going to be, and then their attacks pretty decent with uh, fire, where they can basically just throw five and five dice, pretty good. So uh, I like them a little better than Sneaky Peaks just because they outrange the sneaker, the sneaking stabbers. So that, that's kind of what tipped it for me. But I can, I definitely like playing Sneaky Pete more. So I'm, I'm, I'm kind of with you there. You're welcome. <laughs> All right. Well, that leaves us with our last... Uh, no, I think that's it. I think that's the last Slayer.
1: Uh, yeah, right.
0: <laughs> so, Chris, who's number one?
1: Obviously, Rangosh, like the god of Slayers.
0: The, the only Slayer you need. He's the Slayer champion that moves the steps more than plus one because he is that powerful.
1: Yeah, he's he's just... Fucking boss is able to do so much damage like a slayer needs to do is able to manipulate board state by pushing and pulling models to where you need them to be Uh, is able to get more movement himself is able to inherently, you know, bolster himself by using those red bandit followers and you get five of them. So you're able to, you know, you're able to eat the followers to strengthen whatever you need, whether it's you know a, a hit or a damage dice. So I mean, like there, there's you basically because of the way the followers are, you basically get five free boons, you know, to use as you see fit. And yeah, it's just he's he's just a freaking beast.
0: Well, here's the thing that I think makes Rangosh and the Red Bandits really good is they work so well together. Just the yep. fact that they can put out a lot of blights, they can put out a lot of boons. Uh, they once again the Red Bandits can do do wounds in the in the plot phase, which is huge. And you can also gain boons for them you can put boons on rain during the plot phase and you can put a blight out for evasion which is huge for breaking spirit and sneaky pete's uh mojo i guess (laughs) and it's just they work so well together because if you look at it rain gosh is so fast he's getting up in the mix his evasion is really high for how big and brutal this dude is uh so he's getting up in your face quick he's not the easiest to kill and while you're trying to run for your life away from Rangosh, the Red Bandits in the Clash phase, especially... Actually, in the Plot phase, even, too, you know, Ambush is only one. So, But during the Clash phase, they shoot three hexes away. So while you're trying to run away from Rangosh, they're just plunking you for damage. And it's just... Man, it, it it's a lot to deal with. It is a lot to deal with.
1: Yeah, and I love his ultimate because he kind of gets... The, like, his abilities are even better than Lorazan's, where he truly does have an auto two wounds. Yeah, Like, he doesn't even have to hit. Like, it's just, then you may place up to two wounds. Like, it's, and he gets movement on that ultimate action. Like, it's just incredible how good he is, how much synergy he has with his followers, and how much stronger you can make him if you choose the right other champions to go with him. Like Pete, you can speak to it. Like how, how was it dealing with his movement when I coupled him with landslide?
0: Yeah. Landslide needed to die because that was terrifying. <laughs> yeah,
1: cause, cause landslide's like, Oh, you're having a problem here with getting around. Let me just move you some more in either phase.
0: Yeah. And it was, it was good because there was I had uh, Mornblade and his followers were like oh we can lock down Rangosh and Landslide was all like no bro
1: yeah so I mean you know putting Landslide in there as like a Rangosh battery like I think is an awesome fucking pairing so th- there's so many strengths to Rangosh and not a lot of weaknesses right he's still evasion four right so so his evasion is the same as Lorsan, yeah, but he's got more armor and more health. Like, and, and basically the same movement. Like, he's three in the plot phrase and then two, um, and, she's, and she's, she's opposite. But, like, so here's a model that does more damage, has just as so much movement as Lorsan, is able to manipulate the board better than Lorsan, has the same evasion, more armor, more health. Like, this is a landslide as far as, like, how much well, better this model
0: is. I think that you're also, and this is something that I think you'll play with more the more you play with him, is when you look at Jawbreaker and Whiplash, I think that, yes, one of the weaknesses I think Rangosh has is that he doesn't throw the most amount of dice when it comes to hitting. Uh Jawbreaker is only three and then whiplash is only five. But what I wanted to, that's one of the negatives, very few that he has. But one of the great positives about those two attacks is you can literally be like, I'm going to whiplash you and I'm going to move you a hex closer to me. And now I'm going to jawbreak your face. And if I hit, I'm going to throw seven damage in your face.
1: And and those aren't nearly as bad when you consider the brutal master, right? Because Then you're not talking about rolling three dice. You're talking about rolling four. You're talking about rolling six. Like you, yeah. Like he's just he's a monster, especially when you include the followers.
0: And it's one of those things where if you do lock him down, like Jawbreaker, lets you get out of that a bit, right? Because if you need to get somewhere to, let's say, squash a banner or to get somebody out of an objective hex so you can score, he can you know straight up just punch you if you hit. Move him a hex away or drag him closer to him. So the fact that he himself can manipulate the board, granted in a short range, is still a really big boon to him. He's, it's, he's such a good fucking model. He's just really good.
1: Yeah, it, it, it's it's a crime that he's not on Tabletopia.
0: Well, I think that's just because most people would be like, and eh, we're just bringing Gosh and then it's the how do you deal with Gosh show
1: that well that's what god tier is so
0: yeah right so do oh, you, let on. me ask you this so this kind of bringing us into so we have at the top rangosh and the bottom morgan so let's kind of talk about that for a second do you think rangosh is too powerful
1: no no because like when you look at all of the models that you're taking as a whole right like somebody can still say, hey, I'm going to focus my efforts on managing Rangosh, and then I have to find a way to get my points elsewhere. Yeah. Like, like so, So yes, Rangosh is powerful, but not so much so that he's worth, you know, an opponent's other three models, like it, it, other three champions, all right? Like, you might need you know, a champion to kind of manage him plus maybe some help from another champion, right? But it's not its not so overwhelming that you're needing to devote all three of your champions to just manage Rangosh. Like, in the game that we played, the one that we streamed, that one, Rangosh did some work, but he wasn't... It, like, the MVP was probably Blackjaw in that game. Blackjaw did yeah. more work because you were focused on managing Rangosh, right? So... Yeah, I mean he's powerful. I don't want to try and underplay it, right? Like th- there, there is a a big advantage to him. He is the best Slayer for a reason. But I don't think I, I'm not going to go so far as to say like he's broken.
0: Well, I think that once again there's some good counters to him. Uh, I think honestly Grimguts a really good. Uh, Counter to him because something that you can do with Grimgut is you can use the retchlings to kind of bottle him up a bit because you can basically wrap him with retchlings because you, when you spew out the retchlings you can chain them into different hexes so I could literally wrap Rangosh around with retchlings if I wanted to and then you have to waste activations to get those retchlings out of the way
1: yeah
0: and. It's just one of those things where that's that's where you need to manage Rain Gosh. Is you need to waste his activations on not important things.
1: Yeah, and Mornblade's another good counter, right? Like Mornblade, oh, yeah. Mornblade's followers are able to tie him down, and then you know it's not worth turning into Mornblade and killing Mornblade because you only get one point. So who gives a shit? Uh, yeah, but the. Yeah, like, so, so, yeah, there, there are counters for him. Like, honestly, like, even though I think that Rangosh is my number one slayer, he, there's more counters to Rangosh than there is to, like, Sneaky Pete.
0: Yeah, you're probably, probably not wrong there. Sneaky Pete's a little difficult to deal with.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, you know, they, they have different strengths and weaknesses. That's one thing that I like about this game is, like, th- there's, there are these different elements. And so you, you get put in situations where you're like, well, there's not very good counters to sneaky Pete. Like you can counter Rangosh better, but Rangosh is still clearly the better model. Right. Um, and, and I think it's fun to have those dynamics, right? Because when somebody isn't aware, they're, they're thinking about it linear, very, in a very linear, linear fashion. And, they are going to say, oh, well, Rangosh is better. He's better than Sneaky Pete. But, no, you're going to still find times where you'd rather play Sneaky Pete. I, I like. I want to go out and buy Sneaky Pete after this conversation because I like Sneaky Pete even more than when we started. Nice. Well, I, I would
0: like to see everybody play Sneaky Pete because he's amazing. Yeah. So, And we talked about it a little bit, but – let's kind of go back for a second. What is Morgan? What, for God's sake, what does Morgan need
1: to do damage? Okay. So something to, if, able to okay. actually kill some stuff to not just like boon and blight everybody. Like it, if Morgan, if Morgan is the way that Morgan is and you just made her, you know, a uh, shaper or a uh, maelstrom, like that would be different. Cause then she'd get some other bonuses for being that class. But yeah. uh, only allowing her bonuses for slaying is fucking pointless because she doesn't have the ability to kill champion models. She has the ability to kill follower models. She has the ability to uh, manipulate the board state. Like, there, there's... Yeah, Morgan fucking sucks. <laughs> I'm so happy I, don't, I didn't buy Morgan because Morgan would have been like the first box that I bought because I think Morgan totally looks cool. And you would have been disappointed. You would have been hearing a crazy fucking bitch fest about me wasting my money.
0: Yeah, it's. um, Hmm. I don't know because I just think that honestly, with Morgan Snowball's chance needs to just go away. Because because it's either there. There's two ways that skill would go. It's either it would be too powerful if it actually hit, or. In this case, you aren't going to see it ever really happen. So that, to me, that action just needs to go away. And instead of that action, give her some way to give herself boons. Because as she currently sits, the only boon she can give herself is nothing. <laughs> her minions can go ahead and give her an accuracy. Um, oh, no. No. Yeah, so they can give her uh, plus accuracy, which,
1: uh, I don't know, it's just, it, that's fine. But that's, you, what, but that's not the problem, because she yeah, has yeah, the accuracy damage. numbers of 5 and 7. So yeah. she needs to do more damage. So, th- yeah, like, they're they're able to buff something that isn't the issue.
0: Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, if you look at her damage dice, she throws 2 with Snowball, five with ice blade, which she doesn't want to be within. Uh, she should have what, uh, what Morgan blade has with his like super soul cleave or whatever it's called, uh, where he can basically do his sword attack three hexes away. Morgan needs that with all of her attack, at least two. She does not want to be anywhere near the mix.
1: Yes. Yeah, Snowballs chance. Like the thing that I don't get about that is because it's only one to hit,
0: It can be three if she has the accuracy boon, but then she only gets two damage dice.
1: Yeah, but here's the thing. The way that it currently is written and with, you know, from a practical standpoint, right? Snowball's Chance is designed to work best against followers. Like, you're Uh, not likely to hit champions,
0: and... Well, the only ones that I think you might be able to get Snowballs off on is Grimgut. Grimgut is the only one I think that might ever work out on because you can probably hit him with three dice, and he's only armor two. So if you get lucky on two damage dice, you can do it. But once again, it's just a Snowballs chance in hell. It's just yeah. probably not going to happen.
1: Yeah, you have to roll so high. So, I mean, like, it's just frustrating. Just get, rid of it. just get rid of it. Yeah, well, get rid of it or baker or Maelstrom. Let her yeah. do this shit against against follower models, and you know kill them off easily and get bonus points for killing off so, follower models.
0: What, and know, what I would like great. instead, because she's very mobile, so what I would like to see instead is make her a shaper, and replace one of her abilities with a shaper-esque ability, because that way she's doing the boon thing, which shapers seem to do. And so she's giving out balloon, boons and she's giving out blights and give her some ability to move around and get some kind of benefit for planting her banner down. And I think that would make her a lot better. Uh, she's I think she needs to be more, more like more blade and less like Morgan.
1: <laughs> Fine. Like, yeah, The the, the point is she's misclassed and she's, her, Not even good at it. Yeah, like it, it, it's just, she just sucks.
0: All right. Well, looking at the Slayer class, we've been playing a bunch of games now, Chris. So, what are some of your general thoughts about the Slayer class in general as it fits into actual gameplay when you put three versus three down?
1: So the thing about the Slayer class, and I was totally hyped on Slayers. Like everyone that knows me knows immediately, like just hearing the game described, that Slayers are going to be what I want to do. The issue that I have with Slayers is I don't feel like they are the best, best path to victory because of the focused effort you need to put in to kill champions versus the ease that you can have with other classes to... Kill followers that only have one health or to kill or or to plant banners like like the the things that make the other classes successful seem to be easier to achieve than the slayers path to victory.
0: Yeah, and that's why I think having one slayer is about the most you're ever going to see. I think one slayer is the most you need. If you're bringing two slayers in your four in your four champion list, then I think that's too many. I think, I think you can bring one good slayer, figure out which one you like and then stick with it.
1: Yeah. Especially cause there's like only one and maybe two good slayers. So, I mean, I, I would say that the, the three, so
0: minus Morgan, I think that the other ones are very usable and it's your flavor. It's what do you like doing? Because, Playstyle is a big thing in this game. If you like to be just, like you said, I love just running across the hexes and destroying people. You know, you're going to pick Rangosh. If you like doing it a little differently and you like sneaking around, you're going to like Sneaky Pete. And if you like shooting like Paris and, you know, shooting Achilles in the heel, then you're probably going to like Lorasan.
1: Yeah, until you miss. Well, he didn't miss. Then you're going to hate yourself. <laughs> but he didn't miss. Well, oh, yeah. Listen, Legolas is a lot better shooter than Lorsan. Sam, so fair, yeah.
0: So I think I think that you could pick any of the three champions we talked about that we believe are good and and really have a good time with it. So I I don't think that everybody is going to auto bring Rangosh just because I think the other two that we talked about that are good really have a lot to provide to somebody who likes using them. So. And just for uh, the rec- official
1: for the official record, I think that you can take two of the champions that we talked about and really have a good time with them.
0: So, so you are going to bring Loris on then? That's no, what I'm hearing.
1: And that's a big old fat negative. <laughs> uh,
0: so, yeah, I agree. I think that the I the way I think the reason I like Slayers is because they put pressure on the game. And the pressure isn't necessarily winning all the time, but just the amount of pressure that a Slayer can put on the fact that it's like, I can't go there because my, my champion might die, right? I can't go that close because Rangosh will just smoke me. Uh, it's just one of those things that the, the Slayers are really good at. And that's, I think that should be their role. They're not going to always auto-drop somebody but they have a higher likelihood of doing it. I know when I go in with Sneaky Pete, especially if I still have my ultimate, that I have a really good chance of killing almost any champion in the game with Sneaky Pete. Yeah. So I I like the Slayers a lot. I definitely would recommend bringing one in your four um, just because I think having that damage and being able to threaten champions is a big deal. I, I think you need somebody that can do that when you need it.
1: Yeah, I, I really want to see a change made to where you're able to bring five. Because right now with the bringing four thing, I'm overwhelmingly just seeing the end result being you take one of each class and then depending on scenario or what your opponent has, you're dropping one. Like That's how, I, that's how I'm envisioning a lot of people doing this. But if you were able to bring five models and have a little bit more flexibility – then you could really have some fun with like doubling up a class because I, like I, I can't think of a class that you intentionally want to leave off like like yeah. there's you don't want to go to a tournament and not have any maelstrom option you don't want to go to a tournament and not have any shaper option or any guardian option like you're you you need these options available. And so it kind of means you're going to find whatever your favorite model is of each class or the synergy of four models that, you know, represent each class. And then you're going to drop one out based on scenario and what your opponent has. And I just want a little bit more strategic choice by having five options to where then you can double it up and you can say, Hey, I'm going to take Naya and Shale. And then somebody has a more difficult decision as far as, you know, which Shaper they might have to deal with. Or I'm going to take Sneaky Pete and Rangosh. And, you know, one is a, one is, you know, that snake that's able to just, you know, slide through everything and get to its target. And the other one is the battering ram. And you don't know which one I'm going to pick.
0: Yeah, and I'm looking at a couple of the events on Battle Ladder, and the the only time I see a lot of doubling up is with uh, Maelstrom. So I do see a couple that are bringing, uh, for example, uh, Titus, and then also bringing Grimgut. So that's the only thing, right, that's the only list I'm really seeing right now that double up. There's a couple that got cheeky and brought two shapers, but uh, for the most part, people are only bringing double Maelstrom if, I, if, if I'm if i looking at all the ones on Battle Ladder
1: correctly. See, and I couldn't imagine bringing, like, double Shapers if you're playing a scenario like Death, where you're, oh, yeah. like, losing hexes like crazy, right? And so, yeah, that, well, w- w- we'll talk about this more. I mean, for those people listening, this is basically going to be a four-part, ser- like, mini-series of yeah. podcast where we talk about one do do you know which one you want to talk about next which class uh,
0: I mean I don't care I mean where you want to go boo what do you want to do
1: I I I don't have a strong preference the the ones that I I probably have the least experience with right now are the guardians so I'd probably rather talk about shapers or maelstroms okay uh, well, let's
0: just let's just call it next week we're going to talk about shapers then
1: okay. So that's a little bit of a preview and I can tell you why Shale's awesome. (laughs) Well, I honestly,
0: I've played with all of the shapers except for, um, I I have not played with Rattlebones, So maybe I'll try to borrow that model from Jacob or maybe I'll see if Jacob wants to get a game in and we'll, we'll play around with that.
1: I thought you painted Rattlebones. I thought, yeah, yeah. For Jacob, not Jacob's. Okay got it
0: (laughs) but yeah we'll talk about shapers next because i think shapers are what that's the class i think that makes this game really interesting
1: yeah shapers are fucking fun
0: (laughs) hey kids do you like fun well put your fun hat on because we're going
1: (laughs) wow (laughs) so yeah i and we'll talk about why wraith is an overrated shaper little sneak preview
0: uh, I played Wraith again, and I actually liked him. There, there, there are some things that I didn't do the when we played when I played him for the first time, and then I played him again. I'm like, okay, this is kind of what it's supposed to be.
1: Okay, well, well, we'll talk about it, and yep, we're gonna have a similar situation as the Sneaky Pete and Lorsan discussion. So yep. <laughs> <laughs> uh, All right. Well, is there anything else you <laughs> want to talk about?
0: Are we done? Yeah, I think the only thing I'll say is make sure that you guys are just having fun with it, man. Just try different combos, try different models, because that's the thing I've found with this game is the more I switch the combos up, the more I'm finding these cool interactions that really get me excited about the game.
1: I totally agree with that. So yeah, for those listening, please, if you feel like you found you know a cool synergy between two models, like definitely share it with us. like. That's what makes this game fun. That's, that's going to be the element where we have the easy-to-learn, tough-to-master, uh, is finding those sweet synergies. And I think that I've found, a, a, I've found some sweet synergies already, and I know you have, and we'll kind of bring those up as we go. Um, but we'll get through these, these class, this series of class rankings, I guess, Uh, before we dive real deep into the synergies that we're seeing that we like. All right. Well, once again, make sure that you guys check out also our Facebook
0: uh, channel, Rage Quit Wire, and then also check out the Twitter feed that we have for Rage Quit Wire as well, because we put out a lot of content on there that doesn't always go on the YouTube channel. So that way, if you want more content, you can get it through there. That's where a lot of our uh, little announcements will pop up on when we're streaming or what we're doing. Uh, especially once this, this quarantine you know is, is loosened up a little bit. We're definitely going to be streaming a lot of our at-home games more. So that's something we're definitely planning on doing. Plus, one more shout-out to our patrons who are awesome because uh, actually getting a different uh, attachment for the camera, which is going to allow to get a better view when we do these paint sessions. So thanks again for the patrons for directly supporting the uh, podcast.
1: Yes, amen. All right, well, Chris, if there's nothing else, I think it's a good time to sign us off. All right. We'll see you next time, guys. Until then, roll dice, throw salt. Peace.